watch 54 did you watch a movie called 45 i, <laughs> I watched a 2018 documentary called <laughs> studio 54 <laughs> it's actually really good though have you watched that documentary no but i'm totally going to let's yeah, get no, into it really good let's do it hey everybody welcome to the cinema nerd presents made in the 90s my name is kyle woods i'm here with my buddy dylan shore and we're going to talk about 54 dylan what is 54 54 is a 1998 movie with Ryan Felipe, Selma Hayek, Breckin Meyer, Nev Campbell, Mike Myers about New York's hot nightclub, disco nightclub of the 70s, uh, Studio 54. You left out one important cast member. Uh, which one? Ellen Albertini Dow. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, rest in peace. Love her. Uh, <laughs> <I didn't hear. laughs> Bill and I both just vigorously gestured fingers to lips, fingers to sky, cross motions. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Where do you want to start? You want to go over some movies that we've watched? Yeah, let's talk about some other things before we dive too deep into 54. You mentioned you'd seen a bunch of stuff lately. I'll let you start. <clears throat> cool. Yeah, I've got a list here, like eight things, I think, maybe a little more. Yeah, uh, we'll, go, we'll go quick. Well, we didn't record last week, so there's a couple <laughs> from, from that that list uh watch the zappa documentary okay excellent alex winters did a very good job it was very uh intimate and personal there's a lot there's a lot going on there right on alex winters is a, a talented documentarian mm -hmm. I really yeah his like showbiz him. kids one was really good as well so was downloaded is the one that i first took note of him on oh i haven't seen that one it's the one about napster and kind of internet culture it's good Okay, I gotta check that out. Yeah, give it a go. Uh, the next one is Judas and the Black Messiah. Right on. That's at the very top of my pile right now. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, get, get, get on it. It is an excellent piece of filmmaking. I saw a, somebody posted, and I'm, I'm not going to give any of this enough credit, but it's Daniel Kaluuya in a conversation with another critic and she's describing this as the moment that he, she knew he was going to be an Oscar winner, even if it hasn't happened yet. He's like the greatest actor of our times and blah, 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 blah. So they're breaking down a scene in Widows. It's the scene in the gym. Yes. And so he describes in that moment, he kind of like gives a little gut check to the beatboxer because he wanted to change the dynamic of the scene between them. But you can't see it on screen because it's kind of about shoulders up and even so it happens at a moment where they're you know it's just the camera move obfuscates the acting of it yeah, yeah yeah and he said the take was the take and you know we got it it was a good take but if i had to do it again i would have slapped him in the face because then i could have shown the audience what i was thinking as an actor through my physicality and that's such a well-observed touch man he just is so 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 talented so i'm really excited to watch it glad to hear you like that Yes, I think you will absolutely love it. Right on. Um, Freaky. Watched Freaky. Dope. How was it? Uh, Vince Vaughn is amazing. Okay. I'm going to say that right off the bat. Everything he does in this movie is perfect. Some of the jokes didn't land for me, but the kills were like fun and over the top. And that, that was pretty cool. Totally. Uh, 
overall it's like I, it's definitely enjoyable it's a fun watch i wouldn't watch it by myself again though it'd be sure. funner if i had a group of people sure nice programmer yeah absolutely i love a body swap and uh i'm also a big fan of the like this wave of horror i don't want to say gimmick movies but like really hard appropriation of different genres within <laughs> the horror genre and yeah having a lot of fun with that yep uh and it does well. He the, the, That writer-director does that very well. His last two were, I didn't really care for Happy Death Day to you that much. Like, it was fun, but it I, I liked the first one a little more. Sure. Uh, but yeah, no, still, yeah, worth a watch. Right on. Yeah, I like both of those movies, so I'm, I'm excited to see Freaky. Uh, and then Greenland. Uh, <laughs> man, I think... We've talked about it a lot, but this is like my favorite genre of film. So I haven't watched it yet, but I'm pumped to watch. You are doing yourself a disservice by not watching it because I was thoroughly surprised. It is not about, it's not a Roland Emmerich movie. It's not about the catastrophe. It's about, no, 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 watch it. It's about the characters and everything they're going through and holy fuck did they pull it off like jerry butler was jerry jerry dude <laughs> gerard jerry jerry that's my friend jerry yep uh i call him jerry because uh <laughs> i was watching uh he chases a cartoon mouse around no however that works ever, all of his friends do call him jerry and i thought it was so funny i was listening to the dracula 2000 commentary one time and the director referring to Gerard as Jerry. And I was like, that's so funny. And then I randomly heard like Jason Manzoukas say it on a, on like, how did this get made? One time, like Jerry Butler is the best. And I was like, okay, he's forever Jerry. Uh, that's awesome. I wish I'd known that sooner. Cause that's the best of those offhand first neighbors. <laughs> Jerry really throws you. Man. <laughs> That's be- it's so much better than Marty. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah. Greenland is fun and worth the watch. I okay. really have fun. Looking forward to it for sure. <clears throat> uh, the next one is The Kid Detective. Have you heard of this? I'm, I'm just imagining... Uh, it's not what you're imagining from the, the 90s, but I don't think I've seen this movie, no. No, it's brand new. Adam Brody is the star of it, and he does so good. It's about, uh, he, as a child, was a famous town kid detective. He would solve their local mysteries. And uh, one of his close friends, a girl, disappears, and he's not able to solve the case as a kid, and it just, like, wears on him as he's become an adult. And he's stuck in this, like, arrested development stage of, trying to be the greatest detective, uh, not kid, he wants to be a detective, but everyone's just calling him this town sleuth. And uh, a kid gets murdered and his girlfriend comes to Adam Brody to solve the case. And that starts the whole story. And dude, it was a lot of fun. It's really funny. Uh, it's definitely like dramatic too in scenes and it went places I did not think it was gonna go. Hmm. you're saying a lot of things i like i mean speaking of friends in horror movies recently adam brody can show up whenever he wants Mm -hmm. yeah i would watch a movie just kind of based on him alone and oh 
he rocks it. He's the lead of the movie and he nails it. He's awesome. so good. Awesome. Um, the, it, the only thing that's really coming to mind for me right now is Mystery Team. Are you a fan of that one? Uh, is that the uh, child, Childish Gambino, the Donald Glover? Yeah, movie? the Donald Glover one. It's Yeah, I've only seen like clips of it. I've never seen the whole movie. It's worth, it's definitely worth a watch. I mean, Donald Glover being the creator that he has become, it's uh, with the rest or at least a fair portion of Derek comedy, the original kind of sketch group yeah. with Bobby Moynihan. Yep. Um, I really enjoy that movie as well, but sounds like we're describing different things. <laughs> um, okay, three more. Uh, this next one is Cowboys. It's brand new. Steve Zahn is the star of it, and Jillian Bell is also the star of it. They know more. But I think the story is going to be different from what you're thinking the title is. It's Jillian Bell and Steve Zahn are a married couple, and their daughter uh, knows she is not a girl. She's a transgender boy. And Steve Zahn, and they live like in like the farmlands of Kentucky or some shit and Jillian Bell kind of refuses it just thinking she's a tomboy but Steve Zahn like knows it and is accepting it but he's also got like a little trauma himself like he's uh he's very manic he he gets manic very quickly if he doesn't take his pills and the fact that the mom is not accepting their transgender uh transgender son he kidnaps her uh kidnaps him and they go on the run and i fucking loved it steve zahn is one of the greatest actors ever he man he's god i love him i want to work with him one day yeah no he'd be a a dream catch right no steve zahn is fantastic and jillian 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 bell yeah yeah absolutely i want to work with her too this sounds a version of (laughs) I caught up with Palmer recently. I think I talked about it somewhere else, so I won't say much it, about it. But the thing that Palmer does like that, but well. I think this one is a probably a better movie than what Palmer is. Right on. Yeah. yeah. Cool. 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 Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And plus, it's Steve Zahn versus Justin Timberlake. Like, you know, <laughs> pick your favorite actor <laughs> out of those two. Okay, but in a karaoke contest. I'm oh, gotta go. Steve's on. I don't. Yeah, oh, Steve's on. Of course, we'll sing uh, anything that the Wonders do. <laughs> yes. What else you got? Uh, Willie's Wonderland. No. No. Dude. What is this? <sighs> Nicholas Cage's new movie. Oh, oh. You know what? I have so. I really try and avoid trailers. I also try and avoid promotional material, which is a bad thing to do for somebody in the film industry. But so I've been seeing Nicholas's cage, his face plastered everywhere. And my reaction has been like, oh, are we, okay, just, I'll, it'll come out, I'll see it. But I haven't seen it yet. Um, do you know what it is? No, do I don't know, know anything about it. I kind of, yeah, let's hear okay. just the briefest summary you got for me. Well, he doesn't speak throughout the whole movie. Let's just say that. Okay. And But the plot is his car breaks down. He takes a job as an overnight janitor at a place called Willie's Wonderland. And the guy's like, I'll fix your car up if you uh, clean up this place. It's like a Chuck E. Cheese type place. There's a lot of animatronics. But this place has a dark history. And the animatronics come to life and kill people. 
And so Nicolas Cage and a band of teenagers try to kill these animatronics. All right. Yeah, it's, is it it's a little long? dull in certain scenes, but it is what it is. And it's only an hour and like 25 minutes, maybe. Perfect. So it, it's the perfect, and Beth Grant is in it. She's amazing. Uh, fucking, yeah, it, it's worth a watch. It's a fun time. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, worth it. At 90 minutes, I will give my attention to that for sure. Yeah. Um, and the last thing is a Hulu documentary that's called In and of Itself. It was a, um, a, a show done live in New York in a small little theater uh, for 552 shows. And they filmed like probably 10 of them and kind of edit them together for this documentary. But it's a one-man show mixed with uh, um, like his personal stories of growing up with a lesbian mom and mixing it with the art of illusion and also making you question like at the beginning of the show, there's a wall for everyone that walks in with boards that say I am a dentist I am a good time I am a doctor I am this I am that just thousands and thousands of them and he asked the audience to participate and take who they truly think they are and who they want people to perceive them as and he takes those cards and he doesn't act with them on stage and like dude it was mind-blowing I it was so emotional it 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 really got me just like questioning I like identity like who you want to be versus how people perceive you how you perceive other people um brilliant stuff like truly one of the most creative things I've seen in a long time and that's only an hour and a half I wanted I watched it just yesterday I almost put it on again last night to fall asleep to but I ended up skimming through 54's theatrical cut but it's (laughs) it's one of the coolest things i've seen in a long time i'm gonna be re-watching it really soon the guy the his name is david i'm gonna blank on his last name his last name's a little bit of a mouthful but it was a an experience is that right say it again david del guadio yes del guadio name of the title again because it sounds super fascinating and i'm really intrigued oh you're gonna love it it's called in and of itself yes um man what a great piece of art i bet the live shows were the experience of a lifetime it seems so intimate and like uh there uh, there's a couple of shots when they show the audience and david blaine is in there one night and he's having like an emotional breakdown and bill gates is there and dude it was awesome you're gonna love it like i recommend you watch it tonight or tomorrow and write me as soon as you do, don't wait a week to talk about it. You should just write. Yeah, no, I'll put it. We have a little bit of trouble with Hulu content on this side of the pond, but I'll try and track down a copy of it. Yeah, um, please. As soon do. as I can, I'll give it a watch. It reminds me of a, a installation that I went to here in London where this video artist managed to create a looping experience where it's, <laughs> it's a... Oh, this is going to sound like gibberish and like I'm describing a dream because it, you know, it's an art installation, but it was a double-sided mirror with cameras on both sides of the mirror and you would cycle 
audience members in and out like at a, a regular interval but because of the way that they staggered the experience you end up interacting with yourself and with other audience members at this That's really crazy time it was a it was a trip it was great that is cool i want to do that yeah i'll try and track down more information about it because right now all i have is the memory of like it was wild and we went <laughs> to it in london that, you know yeah so that's what i've watched right on good recommendations man I'm, I'm super excited to catch up with some of this stuff for sure uh my list will be shorter <laughs> um but since you mentioned a stage thing i've been doing a demi rewatch and uh so i watched a master builder mm. did you catch that one ever no it's Wallace Shawn's adaptation of a Henrik Ibsen play. Huh. And it's sort of like either really excellent or really terrible. And it kind of depends on you being into these things or not. As a film, I don't think it's really spectacular, but as a play, it might be very, very good. And Julie Haggerty is in it. Mm hmm and who, you know, from Airplane, maybe most famously, but recently Instant Family, I also really liked her in. I did not see Instant Family. Instant Family is fine. It's like the perfect, if you're having a bad day in these times, put on Instant Family, because it's just got that nice self. And Mark Wahlberg as like sort of like curmudgeonly daddy, love him or hate him he just works in that role you know and rose Byrne has enough comedic timing that it comes together and um carla what, what's her name from the yeah um it, so it's really really good uh no no no, no that's not right it's like <laughs> perfectly it's enjoyable palatable in a way yeah. <laughs> that will make you feel really really good <laughs> okay but Julie Haggerty is also in that movie as sort of like zany grandma. And here she's um, doing an entirely different thing, which I haven't seen her do before. And she's so, so, so talented, man. And I just want to call it Julie Haggerty. That's the reason to bring this up. Perfect. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note, oh, <laughs> Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Oh, shit. I forgot to add that. I watched that too. Uh... I was just showing my buddy the opening song, the Barbara Streisand Barry Gibbs song that the little newspaper boy is singing. That <laughs> good. That cracked me up. But uh, so it's not a perfect, ridiculous movie, but man, are there a lot of funny parts that made me laugh. Uh, and they were so perfect together. They're, they're, great. they're so good. Yeah, well, she, so the other half there that maybe we're not recognizing or are now learning for the first time is also Andy one of the writers of Bridesmaids and is a, a strong presence in kind of the back end Hollywood stuff and has been around for a long time. So it's fun to see her pop on screen because she's tremendous. Yeah, she is. And yeah. her little moment in Bridesmaids is, Bridesmaids is also very funny as well. Absolutely. Uh, her chemistry is incredible. I really, I, I watched it twice, kind of oh, in a row. Like I watched it one night as I was exhausted, but putting the movie on and I had this reaction of like, oh, this is really good, but I don't understand why everybody is flipping their fucking wigs for this thing. And then yeah, I watched yeah. it again the next morning and I was like, 
no, this is even better than I thought it was. Oh, maybe I, don't I need to understand give it a why people are flipping their wigs for this thing. But yeah, like maybe, I, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. I, I just, I really like it, and I think it's really good. It just didn't quite land with me the way that it seems to be hitting everybody else. But I really, really enjoyed it. I'm right there with you. It literally seemed like they were just trying to make the most ridiculous movie possible. Yeah. And the, I think the moment where I was like, okay, they don't need this is the the store, the guy singing his like musical number. Oh, I like his number. And I didn't, that was just one part I didn't really care for. Also that whole side plot with that villain Kristen Wiig is bizarre. It's bizarre, and I think it's where the movie stretches hardest because, yeah. you know, resolving those tones is so, so difficult to do. And it is a little bit two movies, you know, um, not necessarily at odds with each other, but maybe not in full. <laughs> but harm. I mean, like, it does all kind of like the weirdness of it all does blend together with their culottes fucking making them <laughs> fucking fly across the water. <laughs> perfect the canon that like just perfectly matches the trajectory to hit the jet ski that is fuck anywhere <laughs> so hilarious yeah no it's definitely funny like they just went balls to the wall with it like <laughs> the crab I think my, oh the crab yeah morgan morgan friedman <laughs> freeman Freeman, that's what it is. But just the idea of him being like, I now I will walk into the sea has yeah. popped into my brain every three hours since I've watched that movie. Too funny. I think my favorite part of it was the uh, lounge piano player singing about <laughs> boobs. That was the greatest thing ever. I rewound it a few times and then I showed my mom that scene and she laughed and I was like, yeah, this part's the funniest for sure. <laughs> I love an inappropriate lounge singer, you know, yeah. like what's a uh, old school raises that to an art for sure. And then the Catalina fucking wine mixer is in that yep. tradition. I love a weird music joke. Definitely. <laughs> Strictly 80s Joel. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Now I'm talking about it more. I'm like, actually, no, it was even better than I, I Definitely. I would rewatch it, but I want to rewatch it with someone not by myself. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you want to play it in a crowd where everybody's like pretty stoned and just yeah, laughing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> one last one I'll talk about. Um, oh, actually, you brought this one up and I wanted to uh, catch up with you about it. We've talked about it before, but I caught up with Promising Young Woman. Yes. Really dug it. Okay. Yeah, I, I was, if I had to put together a list from last year, it probably would have been one of my favorites. I, I really, really, really enjoyed it. That's I liked a lot of it, but uh, I, I've said it before on one of the other ones. Like it was like a mixed bag for me. I was half and half with it. It I was basically all the way in. I would. Its of, ending is so good. It's, it's ending is fantastic. That's why you need to see the movie. It's so, like honestly, not what you're expecting. And that one shot of just locking off, and like slightly pushing in as he's. Uh, smothering her with the pillow i'm like yeah. oh bo burnham's gonna come in save the day no and you just keep pushing in and then she's dead i was like wow you that really subverted my expectations there i thought 
for sure there's going to be a little more i thought she wouldn't die that's honestly but like that's the thing about revenge revenge leads to terrible things and graves right yeah absolutely and it's just like little things about it that i didn't care for like uh i wish there was better pop songs for one i didn't mind the paris hilton one because that was a cheesy moment but then it goes on for a little too long um my strongest criticism about the thing is i i think it could stand to be tightened yeah like even just like five minutes maybe like it was just like dragged on in certain scenes but the scene between her and connie Britton, the the dean at the school so good so good really tension filled because i'm wondering in that moment i'm like did she go that far she really really like you know you yeah don't know exactly where she's coming from or where she's going in that moment it is incredibly tense and incredibly well executed yeah no like i'm definitely not trying to hate on the movie in any way it's worth watching it just was not a perfect film for me no i wouldn't call it a perfect film i think there's a few changes i would make but you know in the there's a handful of movies that i have this response to that i'm like there's something not quite right here but i know i could not make the changes necessary to improve it absolutely i wouldn't know what to change in that movie and in that sense well maybe it is a perfect movie because if you make a change to this thing it's not that movie and the movie is very very successful and like don't i feel like i'm like the the minority of it like people seem to be loving the film like it just mixed bag for me but people seem to be really responding to it and i see why people are responding to it obviously just there's something missing for me and it's not the performances i think what she does with like casting adam brody and christopher mintz plus is showing like these dudes look like normal people like you have a a set view of who these actors yeah, have played. I think that even extends to Bo Burnham, where you're like, well, even the nice guy is like not yeah, yeah. a nice guy, and he's gangly and awkward, but he's a monster also. And the the casting of um, I only know him as Schmidt, and that's not fair from New Girl, but he's a fantastic actor. Is also spot on. That's the guy at the end, right? Yeah, the the sort of oh, assistant guy friend yeah right? he runs off in the woods yeah. in the very last scene. <laughs> he sees the cops coming yeah yeah, yeah fantastic <laughs> what is his name why why are we blinking on it well let's look it up since we've talked about it a little bit because he really is super super funny on new girl and he's got another uh sitcom with like um max greenfeld is the gentleman's max name. Greenfield. there we go and he's also still on TV on a, a CBS thing. Oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, like Neighbors or the na- the Neighborhood. The Neighborhood. Hmm. Yeah, things got like 60 episodes at this point. It's nice. going strong. Fucking A. Good for him. Working mm. actor, man. And he had all of New Girl, too, so. <laughs> That's the case. Should we talk about 54? as we should please tell me you watched the director's cut i i don't know that i did i had a bit of a trouble tracking this one down okay did yours open with 
Ryan Felipe putting on the trash bag in the beginning? No, no. Oh, you no. watched the theatrical cut. Oh, man. Okay. The director's cut is a whole different movie. It's a whole different movie that is a much better film. I mean, that's and kind of the beginning and the end of this podcast because I was just like, there's, there has to be stuff missing from this movie. I don't understand. what. And then the answer to that is Weinstein. They saw something that yep. they didn't like and chopped this down to a 90 minute thing. It's, it, the cut I came, I saw came in at like 150, you know, like just shy of two hours, maybe 145. So the theatrical cut is an hour and 40 minutes. The, uh, the director's cut is an hour 45. But the thing is, they cut out 30 minutes of reshoots from the theatrical movie and put back in 45 minutes of the original film. And there's a whole subplot uh, exploring Felipe's bisexuality uh, and uh, like the relationship between him, Breckenmeyer and Selma Hayek. Like they end up Oh, dude, it's a completely different movie. It's yeah, I really wish that I had seen that because I, I, at the end of this thing, I was like, well, none of these conflicts mean anything and these relationships are of no consequences. And why do they like each other now? And where, you know? The director's cut explains it all. And uh, I really wish I'd seen that, dude. Because I, I did not like the theatrical cut. I gotta be no, honest. No, it, it's not good. And like, I, I have a soft spot for it. Just like, I love the vibe of the movie. But like, it's obviously not a great film. And when you watch this director's cut, the vibe, the acting, the story, it's all there. And uh, it's such a bummer that it did not get to play out that way for him. Okay, let's do this because I got some takes and maybe the things that I was looking for in this experience came through in the director's cut. So take number one, high level, I you said the acting and I think there are some one good performance I really want to talk about and then a lot of what I saw is just sort of like pat at best and I in the theatrical cut Ryan Felipe comes off as bad and I know he gets saddled with that a lot I like Ryan Felipe I'm a defender of Ryan Felipe I think he's a really talented actor and a really like powerfully sexy human being He's just mm -hmm. so beautiful. And I like, if this movie had been him as like a, a magnet of sexuality and the theatrical cut kind of is. And a little bit. to fuck him. Mm -hmm. But the director's cut goes into it more though. That's better. That's better. That's yep. my big note. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what you said with him being unlikable, I, so for me, the theatrical cut tries to make him more likable. The whole thing, Why are we doing that? He should just be yeah. like, yeah, I'm a fucking bacchanalian sex monster. Put your yeah. lips on my body. Where's the drugs? Woo! That yeah. movie sounds awesome. And Felipe can do that because if Ryan Felipe walked in this room right now and was like, here's a pile of cocaine, sniff it until you're numb, I'd be like, uh, yes, sir, my butthole is yours. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, uh, so they also, like the reshoots, I was skimming through the theatrical cut, just trying to find 
the reshoots of the movie and it's mainly nev campbell stuff like them in the bowling alley and they just set up more of a relationship for them so and you can clearly tell their reshoots because he is in a terrible wig it is a terrible wig <laughs> it's a really bad wig and he's not the only bad wig in this movie fucking herc from <laughs> From the wire shows up in an equally distressing wig. Even Mike Ruffalo has to wear a very that strange long. hair. Piece. And but you know what? Ruffalo is so handsome he pulls that wig off. Um, I want to talk about Nev Campbell for two seconds because when her storyline opens up in the theatrical cut, for like 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, oh, I'm paying attention again. Nev Campbell is here. And then it's just a nothing. It, it all amounts to nothing. And I sort yeah. of get disappointed yeah so how they supplement that for the director's cut is it's uh um uh, a lot more of brecken meyer and mike myers like having scenes together and them like like mike myers has a great conversation about uh his belief in bisexuality like there's so much great stuff that they cut from this and there's uh the whole ending of the theatrical cut the coming like a his coming home party uh that is not in the movie that's not in the director's cut the director's cut ends after the night of the old woman dying and uh, anita singing on stage and she comes out and he's putting on the trash bag, him and Breck and Myers slightly make up. That, that's not in the theatrical cut at all. Mm-hmm. It just cuts to Nev Campbell pulling up in the limo saying, you want to ride? She gets out and talks. That's that's a reshoot because she never gets out of the limo. He's like, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to go on and sees Breck and Meyer and Anita there. And they wrap up in a big uh, fur coat. We need to talk about just for a second, the scene, the reshoot apparently where she gets out the line do you know what she says uh i i just watched it. i don't know i can't remember now what she, she said, said something like we are jersey or no no yeah. you're not like them we're jersey yeah and it's raining and what popped into my brain is towards the end of entourage when they've made their terrible oscar play movie and Vinny turns around and goes i am queen's boulevard yeah i was just like what are we doing yeah. <laughs> uh, if the shittiest show in the history of television understands the satire of this moment better than this movie which seems to be an oscar play i just wanted to tear my hair out man yep uh mike myers though is incredible in this movie he even the theatrical cut they they actually take out one of my favorite lines from mike myers in the director's cut uh when he's being arrested and taken out uh, of the crowd and he gets put in the cop car the theatrical cut he says this is really tacky and yeah. uh, like tries to like kick the window yeah. uh the director's cut just cuts to uh him like kicking the window for some reason they just cut out that line no the tacky is a good line so that's yeah. my my hot take my whole takeaway from the theatrical cut was like I, and I kind of remember him getting panned for this thing. I think Mike Myers is the best thing in the theatrical cut. 
as it comes away, so he gets this movie. He's so creepy. He's yeah. a little bit funny and like, but like weird, funny, creepy. We're like, ha, 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 I'm nervous. Yeah, he gets to play with that even more in the director's cut. And I will say the theatrical cut does have a great shot of him that the director's cut doesn't because <clears throat> the ending scene of his coming home party is not in the director's cut. But I love that shot of him up on the DJ booth, silhouetted, and he's just like watching everyone just party. And he like gives his little speech, like maybe the... Uh, the party won't end this time or something like that. Like, I like that moment. Mike Myers is so good in that moment. But when you watch the director's cut, you're just like, yeah, you don't need that. Like the way they end his story, the way they end everyone's Everybody's story. story. There's no conflict in the ending of this movie. That's the problem that, uh, the biggest problem that I have with this thing is that we, it, it starts and you're like, okay, rise and fall. It's bad because it's punching too hard and there's clearly a lot of connective tissue taken out of this thing but where it really fall fails is the fall nobody actually fails in this movie but yet the performances clearly are meant to be failures the yes. plot demands failure and yet at the end of this thing everybody's like yeah so we partied for another five years and then we died in post credit text uh, which director's cut does not have doesn't have any of that so and, that sounds like a better movie, but I still am concerned that it. I, I really, really want to see it, but I think there's some things. I, I don't some know. Some of the footage that they add back in actually is like wasn't able to be fully mastered to uh, HD quality. So it'll there's sometimes it'll like like switch to a new scene and it's slightly grainy, but like that doesn't detract from what you're actually yeah, seeing. Yeah, I'll forgive that. I'm not, you know, that's not where I'm coming from. My question is more like, does, yeah, I mean, you kind of said it, but the director's cut, the conclusion relies on the death of Rap and Granny, right? Uh, I mean, that is the night it happens, but obviously there is more that happens after that. Like there's a whole thing with Shane talking to um, uh, Rubel about like, uh, uh, that he's leaving and gonna get out of there and shit like that. Like, there's just in the theatrical cut, all we get there is Ryan Felipe screaming, "This place did it to her. We did this." And then, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh. And the director's cut shows the uh, feds coming in and raiding the place that night. That's and in the theatrical cut also. Okay, okay, okay. It is okay. Couldn't remember. So that. This is my point. Is I think. This stuff, it's written and directed by Christopher Mill. That can't be right. Um, uh, it's his only like big film, uh, Mark Christopher. Mark Christopher, thank you. Um, and I don't know, I, I really want to see the director's cut before I level any judgment, but I don't know if there's a great movie in here. If only because I think some of the comic sensibilities of Mike Myers at this point in his career maybe took over this thing. And I, I love rapping Granny. I also love the sort of like idea of Disco Granny and her having a family and that we're all just people doing our thing here. Um, yeah. I love that idea, but and at least in the theatrical cut, <clears throat> pardon me, that moment at the pharmacy punches so hard and it punches even harder in the director's cut. But it lacks in like very plain detail where it's like, well, why doesn't he have money? We just found out that 
the bartenders at this establishment are God. They can do whatever they want. Why the fuck is his wallet empty at that point in the story? Maybe is it because he's saving up money to try and get Breck and Meyer out? So he's got to replace the thousand dollars that Breck and Meyer stole. Exactly. Okay. That's understandable, but not. I think there's also. It's not good. I just got to say it. That's not good because these guys make so much fucking money that a thousand dollars. Okay. A thousand dollars in the seventies is different than it is today. But again, they make so much fucking money and they have so much access that the need to steal a little bit of cash. Well, Breckin Myers doesn't. He's not a bartender. He's a busboy. Right. But he could ask his friend who's been crashing with them forever to pay rent. Or for a loan, or that comes back later on in the theatrical cut where it's like, well, now again, why is Ryan Felipe sleeping in his car at this moment instead of say renting a hotel? Because he could buy a brand new car and a fur fucking coat, but he can't sleep indoors with all of his wealth. It makes no fucking sense. So a lot of the contra uh, conflict in this movie, even if it had been allowed to conclude, feels manufactured and false right? Uh-huh. So I don't know that this writer-director was capable of delivering this story in any cut. And it made me, it left me thinking like, you know what, if we had a different creator's vision of this thing, Baz Luhrmann popped into my head to give us the excess and the decadence that this story demands. So even if these like weak moments of the plot, the connective tissue where you're like, wait, what is, what is happening here? You don't care because it's time wrapped and it's flashy and there's fucking fireworks going off and it's Baz Luhrmann. So the music's awesome, you know? And so what you are describing is the theatrical cut. The director's cut no, is not a lively cut. No, sorry, I'm not gonna let that stand. I watched the theatrical cut. It's fucking boring and the music is bad. Oh there's no, like, that's, I, that's what I'm saying. Like the director's cut is a different tone of a movie versus like some like quacky comedic performances. It's dark. Like the opening of the theatrical cut is that's the not music playing it, it can be dark. <clears throat> the Great Gatsby is an incredibly dark story. The reason that the it movie works, not that dark. The yes, movie it was not that. Eh, it didn't like the movie wasn't how I envisioned the book. It it was too. It it was Baz Luhrmann. That's what it was. It was very Baz Luhrmanny. That's the point that I'm trying to make. So it, the level of excess that Baz Luhrmann can bring to a story will mm -hmm. be well applied to something oh, like Studio 54. Gotcha, it gotcha, be incredible gotcha. to watch that thing. Well, uh, so this Mark Christopher made like three short films about Studio 54. They were documentaries. And Miramax saw those and were like, hey, let's uh, work on a script together. And for like a year, they were writing this. And then they like got it going without like oh wait hold on it was just right here you know you're pointing at another criticism that i want to level here which is that the slideshow over the end credits is more interesting than the movie that i watched the director's cut takes out that slideshow and only adds like four images like few of the real people and then ends on ryan felipe 
you're not giving me confidence here. What I'm saying is we need more of the slideshow stuff. The actual stories of Studio 54 are so outrageous in their... Yes. <laughs> you can't even give a name to them because they're so bonkers. And that's what I'm saying is like the unreality of this thing really needs either an incredibly heightened treatment or like a weirdly grounded kind of gritty treatment. So the other name that- And I'm, I'm telling you, the gritty treatment is the director's cut. Like there's so much more, there's more drug use, there's more sex, there's more- okay. uh, uh, Oh shit, my cat's tearing up my carpet. That might uh, be wrong, I, I wanna see it. I, but when I'm saying like in terms of the gritty humanism that I'm looking for, Spike Lee as a New York director came into my brain with his like uh, Summer of Sam or kind of 25th Hour really gets some of these characters. Spike, although Summer of Sam is a oddball of a movie. That's a- Super uh, weird movie, super yeah. weird movie. But yeah. one of the things that that movie does really well is kind of exploit or explore the humanism of these weirdos, right? And in here, there's no humanity to anybody, even when Mike Myers is the most fleshed out character. There's moments for Selma Hayek, and I, I think she does incredible in this with what she's given, you know, the, especially that climactic performance that's like pretty bad. It's such a great performance. It's hard to be not very good, you know? So there's a, yeah, I, I gotta see the director's cut and I should probably just wait until I have. It's really worth it. Uh, I just want to say my favorite thing that the director's cut does is bringing you into the movie. It, <clears throat> it is a tonally different, a tonally different from the theatrical cut, which is like got that lively music playing. It's doing a montage of the seventies of New York and Ryan Felipe is describing everything to you about New York in the seventies. Yeah. Kind of the director's cut. cut it feels very much like it's Goodfellas or uh, yeah, uh, totally. you know, kind of doing those things. Yep. Uh, and the director's cut just, there's this really eerie score playing. And then it does like these hard cuts to actual footage of Studio 54 and people partying mm -hmm. and like the dancing music. And then hard cut back to just this tonally eerie creepy score and it's doing the credits as it's happening and then it cuts to ryan felipe putting on a trash bag and you're like whoa this is just darker it feels just it feels more like a indie film like this is what this director was trying to do and harvey and bob are just like go fuck yourself all your gay shit get out of here <laughs> Oh man, we should just retitle this podcast like fuck the Weinsteins. They screwed us out of so many good experiences. Because everything you're saying sounds so much better, you know. I'm I'm not convinced that it would be it's not a perfect, set. it's not a perfect movie. I'm not trying to say the director's cut's perfect by any means, but it's a much better film than what was presented back in the day. Yeah, it sounds like it. It really does. <clears throat> yeah. Uh that's really it. That's about me. all I got. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to swallow a handful of lewds and then do a line of cocaine. Fucking A, it'll level you out. <laughs> <laughs>